Many years ago, on my way from Hong Kong to New York, I passed a week in San Francisco. A long time had gone by since I'd been to that city, during which my ventures in the Orient had prospered beyond my hope. I was rich and could afford to revisit my own country, to renew my friendship with such of the companions of my youth, as still lived and remembered me with the old affection. The chief of these, I hoped, was Mohun Dampierre, an old schoolmate with whom I had held a desultory correspondence which had long ceased, as is the way of correspondence between men. You may have observed that the indisposition to write a merely social letter is in the ratio of the square of the distance between you and your correspondent. It is a law. I remembered Dampier as a handsome, strong young fellow of scholarly tastes, with an aversion to work, and a marked indifference to many of the things that the world cares for, including wealth, of which, however, he had inherited enough to put him beyond the reach of want. In his family, one of the oldest and most aristocratic in the country, it was, I think, a matter of pride that no member of it had ever been in trade, nor politics, nor suffered any kind of distinction. Mohan was a trifle sentimental, and had in him a singular element of superstition, which led him to the study of all manner of occult subjects. Although his sane mental health safeguarded him, against fantastic and perilous faiths. He made daring incursions into the realm of the unreal, without renouncing his residence in the partly surveyed and charted region of what we are pleased to call certitude. The night of my visit to him was stormy. The Californian winter was on, and the incessant rain splashed in the deserted streets, or lifted by the irregular gusts of wind, was hurled against the houses with incredible fury. With no small difficulty, my cabman found the right place, a way out towards the ocean beach, in a sparsely populated suburb. The dwelling, a rather ugly one, apparently stood in the centre of its grounds, which, as nearly as I could make out, in the gloom, were destitute of either flowers or grass. Three or four trees, writhing and moaning in the torment of the tempest, appeared to be trying to escape from their dismal environment and take the chance of finding a better one out at sea. The house was a two-story brick structure with a tower, a story higher at one corner. In a window of that was the only visible light. Something in the appearance of the place made me shudder, a performance that may have been assisted by a rill of rain-water down my back as I scuffled to cover in the doorway. In answer to my note apprising him of my wish to call, Dampier had written, Don't ring, open the door and come up. I did so. The staircase was dimly lighted by a single gas-jet at the top of the second flight. I managed to reach the landing without disaster and entered by an open door into the lighted square room of the tower. Dampier came forward in gown and slippers to receive me, giving me the greeting that I wished. And if I had held a thought that it might more fitly have been accorded me at the front door, the first look at him dispelled any sense of his inhospitality. He was not the same, hardly past middle age. He'd gone grey and had acquired a pronounced stoop. His figure was thin and angular, his face deeply lined, 
his complexion dead white, without a touch of color, his eyes unnaturally large, glowed with a fire that was almost uncanny. He seemed